0: Welcome to The Edge and Beyond, a podcast by Intel, where we're making sense of use cases across industries such as retail, banking, hospitality, and education. You're going to hear tech considerations, best practices, how-tos, and recommendations. It's all here on To The Edge and Beyond. Thanks for tuning back into part two of our podcast. If you missed part one, make sure to go back and check out that episode as well. But let's dive into part two of the episode.
1: David, thank you. This is a great segue into my next question. And, uh, and this is for Jay. Because you're right, uh, David, uh, it's going to take a village or a consortium of partners that where everyone bring their own expertise, unique expertise to really help us establish uh, the store uh, as a medium, and this is beyond what we have traditionally established as a traditional ecosystem for delivering technologies and solutions uh, in, uh, you know, for the world of retail. So, Jay, quick question for you. What would the ecosystem have to look like for store as a medium to be done uh, effectively?
0: Uh, allow me to provide a historical perspective as I answer the question. Certainly in the last two or three years, what we've seen is really brand leadership in the store as a media, in articulating the store as a media channel or as a medium. It's not for the faint of heart, right? There's a lot of moving parts. And partly the reason why it has had slow adoption is because of the fact that there are many and varied moving parts. So the brands are sort of ill-equipped to scale this. They're well-equipped to provide the innovation funds and the vision to do this as a one of, or maybe even a, a dozen of, <laughs> but, but not to scale. So the, the initial deployments being 100% brand underwritten and, and residing from within the innovation budget, we're, were never really expected to grow to scale. For this to scale, it needs to be sold to the media participants, not the trade marketing budget, not the budget that was, is considered by many retailers, just the funny money budget. You know, it's, it's money they get anyway, and you're not going to disrupt that. It needs to be sold to a brand new buyer, a media buyer. And in order for that to be done, all of the components of the delivery model have to be put to bed. And honestly, it's taken half a dozen years for that to be done. Partly, uh, it was the technology adoption or the technology innovation that drove the pricing down. And partly it was understanding all the moving parts and simplifying it. There's merchandising, there's brands that are participating. You got to sell the brands, the ability to understand what this media is. So you're, Selling both to the AOR and to the brand directly, you've got, you got to have retail involved. you got to show them what's in it for them. In most cases, it's to monetize the real estate. There's internet components. There's a POP display company, probably. There's Continent Creative, which is the role of the WP and Hogarth, in addition to being an AOR in many of these brands. There's Intel, who provides the muscle. And that's just a partial list. There's a lot of players, and it creates, it requires leadership, technology leadership, and more importantly, uh, concept leadership to get buy-in from retailers and brands, it would be my observation that brands are already there and are desperate to find ways to deliver advertising impressions in the store and deliver a model that creates a data collection in store. Not just data, as David mentioned quite accurately, but insights, insights that allows them to optimize the relationship they have with consumers and the delivery of their brand message. So, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think for the first time, the, the reason why Intel has been a leader in creating this consortium is because of, of a valid recognition that that's the only way that this is going to get done.
1: Yeah. Excellent, Jay. I, I agree. We're, the, the, the industry is ready, the brands are ready. And I believe, to the extent that we can bring about technology and the ecosystem and the strategic functions in the ecosystem, from creative technology, third-party financing, you know, solution providers, et cetera, to work together and deliver on the promise of store as a medium, we have an amazing opportunity. Uh, David, I want to focus on an important role in the value chain, and that is the creative agency role. Jay talked about the role of content and and creative in delivering remarkable experiences in the store. Uh, David, you guys represent some of the top lead global brands, clients in the world, mostly direct-to-consumer brands. So how do you see the role of creative agencies in helping store as a medium deliver remarkable experiences in the store?
2: Well, Marina, I might have a vested interest in this, but I fundamentally believe that for all of this to work, not just as Optimum, but to work per se, it relies on Amazing creativity. You know, consumers have very busy lives. They don't need huge interruptions. They're in the store for a purpose and a mission. What we need to be doing is to find really amazing creative ways to engage, to communicate, to entertain, to establish emotional relationships and create an amazing call to action to make a purchase. And the role of creativity to do that really shouldn't be underestimated. The technology is one thing, but to use that technology, maybe it's going to be data-led creativity. Maybe it's going to use the signals or the messages that are going to be programmatically driven into the various different fixtures and screens. But ultimately, if it's not emotive, if it's not creative, if it's not engaging, it simply won't be seen. And As I said earlier, I think that's also a great challenge to us in the creative community. We've become phenomenally good at TV commercials over the years. We've been phenomenally good now at digital communications in its various different guises and various different places We are all going to have to get phenomenally good at being able to communicate effectively, efficiently, emotionally on shelf edges, on cooler fronts, on uh, screens in various different places within the store. And frankly, I see that as a great opportunity for retailers and for brands and for consumers, for everybody to be engaged in in a different way a different medium in a different form. And uh, I'm sure that we will see in a few years' time at Cannes, which is uh, a place where the best awarded creative work is, uh, and the awards are given out each year, um, I'm pretty certain that in a few years' time we will see some amazing Cannes Gold Lion winners for work that's been done uh, in store within the context of what we would call the store as a medium.
1: Let's, let's take that as a challenge, David, and I promise you what we'll do is maybe bring us together, retailers, brands, creative agencies, and, te- and technology smarts. You know, let's ideate on the 20 to 50 journeys or experiences that we need to go activate in the store, and we'll go make that happen.
2: Fantastic. Well, you know, you what know, the wonderful thing about the industry, the creative industry, is that uh, when you put in front of great strategists and great creatives uh, new ways of doing things, you know, relating data to people, to weather, to stockless in the store, the amazing way that they can use that, their skill and ingenuity to do things in a really different way. I, I think the whole concept of data-led creativity we are in the infancy of, but I think it's going to have a profound impact for the better.
1: Excellent, excellent. Uh, so yes, creative is foundational. The other foundational piece is really technology. Jay, from your perspective, from a technology perspective, how do we enable the store as a medium to deliver on the promise of the value proposition? And, and what are some of the KPIs for how we measure success and the infrastructure that is really needed? Let me first put in a reservation to be David's plus
0: one at the Con uh, Festival.
2: You're in, you're in, Jay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Happy
2: to join you. Uh,
0: from a technology perspective, Maroon, the KPIs are, you know, what you would expect. A retailer is going to be interested in lift. And we've seen activations in some of the initial store as a medium deployments of 35 to 40 percent, in some cases greater than that. And that's a meaningful metric in retail. And, of course, not the only metric that retail cares about, but it's the principal metric that retail cares about. There's still to a large degree, coin operated, and shall be for you know as long as we can see. In, in addition to that, they're looking at mapping the customer journey. What is the path to purchase? What's in the basket when uh, a Diet Coke is purchased? What other products are purchased? And that may sound like just a a, a straight s- data collection, but in that analysis, you learn about shopper trends, the mix of basket. You know these these things are outside of. What you're doing with interactivity on the shelf but they're relevant because they combine with metrics that are about engaging with brand at the shelf so the kpis to a retailer might be sales velocity initially but also path to purchase customer journey time spent in retail the movements within retail what's first is bakery first followed by deli followed by wine etc all these are data points that in the end help an operator achieve the optimal square footage revenue per square foot right but on the brand side it's data and customer engagement metrics related to gender age sentiment dwell if people look at my brand how long do they look at my brand if i have a specific piece of creative running 25 year old females look longer than 25 year old males these are metrics that brands care about because at the end of the day they lead to a brand optimization and as i keep uh, saying uh this whole brand intimacy so, uh, and where it's going, if I may just quickly preface an, an, a question that I think might be coming up later is brands are interested in predictivity. Uh, what, what's, what's likely to happen and with respect to the cadence and velocity of my product and the engagement modalities going forward? And I'll use the historicals to, to achieve that objective. These are all AI problems. They're all big data problems. But more and more, the data is being collected in retail and therefore able to be learned upon and inferenced upon.
1: Excellent, Jay. Actually, you did segue into into my next question. Uh, I personally believe a number of the business models in the store, whether it's the shelf, the end cap, the sign, they are absolutely ripe for digital disruptions. Now, assume that we can validate that the advertisement revenue model can make the financials work. I personally predict that we're going to see significant investment in the digital infrastructure in turning the store into becoming an effective medium for advertisement. And and, and you were going to see significant investment in digitizing the shelf, digitizing the end cap, the cooler screen, the signs, the self-serve kiosk, and investment that will drive adoption at scale. So the question for you, Jay and David, we'll start with you, Jay. You started to allude to this question in your last comment. Where do we see this growing and evolving over the next uh, several years? Do we see this becoming as its own different category, et cetera? Once we have a computer vision
0: retail location, there are other applications that are equally compelling to a retailer that could be easily applied leveraging the technology. And a couple that sort of spring to mind, but are very next phase is planogram compliance, inventory management. Uh, the retailers go through this exercise every year with the largest CPGs in the world, and they basically negotiate shelf space. You know, of course, the eye level shelf space is the most expensive, and the shelf space closest to the floor is the least expensive. And oftentimes, retailers are quite strident about their uh, discipline to that plan. <laughs> so, so uh, CPGs want to know uh, that the planogram is being complied with, and computer vision is a great way to do that. It is an AI challenge. It uses video or pictures to identify the level to which and the percentage in which planogram is complied to. That's important. Inventory management. Uh, Out of stocks cost money. When you're out of stock for a demand item, it's best to know as soon as possible. And that's another computer vision problem. I only reference those because this we're not done with computer vision in retail once we solve the advertising problem. Uh, Once we turn the store into a medium, that's a brand new set of revenue, brand new revenue bucket, but there's also some defensive or operational efficiencies that can be driven by computer vision. There's two others that I want to mention that's just now becoming, which is the computer vision's ability to integrate with smart packaging. What if we had the ability to identify a package coming off the shelf and engage that package as a jumping off point for menus and interactive games and things that will engage the consumer beyond the store very fascinating and evolving technology category but certainly computer vision has a role to play there and then the last one as i mentioned in my earlier response the predictive the idea that once the machine once the data gets big it becomes learnable and extractable for inference and measurement so there's some exciting times ahead
2: excellent excellent david yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of with you on that, on that, Jay. I think one of the challenges in some of the these small trials that we've probably all been a part of in one form or another has always been that they actually look at the uh, results through a very, very narrow lens. You know, it's it's maybe it's customer engagement, maybe it's sales up uplift, but in a very sort of siloed way. And I think that as the things you start you're talking about starts to become more pervasive, then actually the investment in both the technology scaling or whatever will not just be looked at in terms of its return on customer engagement or indeed even if it's its return on sales uplift over a promotional period, but actually how it contributes and that infrastructure that would have been created and the computer vision that – will be within the stores and the algorithms will be created and the, the data that will flow all of that uh, with uh, automatic actions that will result in that, that will impact not just the store but the entire supply chain and make a lot of business processes significantly more efficient. Uh, when you start to look at the impact this could have in the round, I think it could be very profound. I mean, one of the things that, you know, as an ex-retailer, I, I know to uh, maybe to my cost, is that the, the various different retail ratios have been pretty much the same since God was a boy. Now, we're entering a, a very different phase in the world post-COVID, the whole relationship bet- you know, between uh, rents and the relationship between fixed costs, staff costs, technology costs. Some of those ratios are absolutely going to have to change fundamentally for retailing to be able to afford a lot of the new developments and to change. And uh, maybe I'm looking at this through rose-tinted spectacles, Uh, but I do see the technology you've talked about, the technology Maroons talked about, in the round, being a very important component part of retailers becoming more efficient in different ways, and therefore the various different ratios having the freedom to move to different positions within the pnl and i think that will liberate retailers to be able to do things in very different ways and will liberate some retailers indeed even to be able to survive
1: yes uh, you know listening to you david uh, nj i see some key learnings and, and or, or takeaways for some of our audience who happen to be retailers and or brands. And the key message is, you know, look beyond the next 18 months. Do not be cheap. It's really important to invest in the right technology platform. Investing in the wrong platform is going to preclude you from unlocking so much opportunity down the road. So it's really, really critical. Think beyond the you know the 18 months horizon and and make the right investment decision and we are happy to to work with our audience be it retailers brands to uh, help them make uh, that decision as well uh, last question is around you know the role of partnerships uh you know partnership is so critical to the success of deploying uh you know these end-to-end platform and the success of these consumer facing technologies. So uh, Jay and David, very quickly, if you don't mind, give me a sense of how you see the role of partnership, the role of Intel in helping put together this whole ecosystem and and our partners together and and the thought leadership that we need uh, to work together to help establish the store as a medium.
2: Well, Maroon, um, I'm a fundamental, fundamental believer in the whole notion of ecosystem brands I think when you look at the evolution of brands over time you know we started with probably the you know the FMCG the Unilevers and the Pngs of this world teaching the world about uh, how to create brands we then moved on to corporate brands we then moved on to platform brands I'm absolutely convinced now that we we should be and we will be entering a new era of the ecosystem brand where each element within the ecosystem uh, plays a vital role in ensuring that the customer proposition is delivered and developed well. And all those ecosystem partners need to have a shared vision in terms of what they're going to create. But, but also, an ecosystem needs a center of gravity. Um, and I think int- actually Intel plays a vital role in the context of the story of the medium of providing that center of gravity that the ecosystem can then move around in what I think will be, you know, or should be an element of perfect equilibrium. And I think without that core center of gravity, ecosystems have the potential to be very uh, misaligned.
0: I love that. And, and that, that's the second thing I'm going to write down for my takeaway today is the center of gravity because that is actually a really good way of describing the role for Intel. But David's humility shines because I also view WPP to be a center of gravity in this. I happen to have a really interesting point of view, and I suppose the audience will determine that. I have a point of view that would suggest that new markets, new ecosystems are most quickly advanced by small companies who have the ability uh, for agility and innovation aligning with big companies if we look at the history of technology adoption, that's generally how it goes well. In other words, large companies don't typically collaborate well because there's too too much stake in it for each of them. So when large companies identify smaller market moving companies that have the agility and innovation to drive markets, drive the innovation side of the market, and they can rely upon the larger companies to help with the distribution and delivery of the evangelical work necessary to drive adoption and new technologies, that's the perfect mix. And I think that's what we have in our hands here. I think we're past the evangelical stage. We're now in the early adoption stage, just to use the the, the, the whole business cadence metric. And I think Intel plays a critical role in the creation and delivery of thought leadership and have done for many years. For us, we're in a six or seven year relationship with Intel and nothing has been more significant to our little company than Intel. So um, we're delighted to be part of the group and uh, adding, that, adding to that ecosystem WBP of late is, to me, another force multiplier and in a way to help educate this marketplace in a, in a, rapid, in a
1: rapid cadence. Friends, uh, David and Jay, thank you so much for imparting your knowledge today on our audience on the Store as a Medium initiative. How does someone, by the way, get in contact
2: with you, David? Pretty simple. Uh, David.roth at WPP.com. Be delighted uh, to uh, get in contact with anybody. In fact, if uh, anybody wants a copy of the the book that we created with Intel on the history of retail in 100 objects, just send me uh, an email at that address and we'll try and sort that out for you. But it's been a pleasure and a privilege uh, to talk to you, Maroon, and uh, to Jay as well. So thanks very much for the opportunity. Much appreciated.
0: The millennials named our company. Our company's name is Visibility, but it is without vowels. And trust me, if you were a millennial, you'd think that was cool. It is vsblty.net. I can be reached there. Again, visibility without the eyes.
1: This is Maroon Isaac, the Director of Business Development at the Intel Retail Team. I want to thank our audience for tuning in today to The Edge and Beyond, the series that makes sense of powerful innovation for real world industry applications. It's brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things group. To hear the latest thought leadership from Intel, please subscribe to The Edge and Beyond to stay up to date with every new episode. Thank you.